Welcome to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese. Resistance 3 hit the shelves on September 6th, and composer Boris Salcho had the opportunity to write for a new protagonist, Joseph Capelli, since Nathan Hale is no longer in the picture. Boris is from northern Germany, but grew up listening to Russians like Prokofiev, Stravinsky, and Mazorksky, all evident in his emotional and subtle score for Resistance 3. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. It's just wonderful to talk with you. Oh, it's a pleasure for me. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So I finished the campaign of the game last night. And you did. I did, yes, yes. I've you are amazing. I've always been a very big <laughs> fan of all the Resistance games, and so yeah. I, I got it Tuesday and finished it yesterday. And there were definitely some unexpected turns, which, of course, I'm not going to mention. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but I did have a great time playing through it, and I just want to know what the experience was like for you writing for the game. It was great, I have to say. It's very different than, than uh, the previous game Resistance 2. Like we had in Resistance 2, we have a lot of action-driven music, of course, because it's a pretty heavy first-person shooter game. Mm -hmm. But in this game, we had a whole second layer, if you will, of emotional storytelling. And the music, of course, reflects that. The kind of music I got to write on on this one um, is a lot more diverse. So on top of all the action cues, we have a lot of emotional moments, we have eerie moments, spooky moments, sad moments, lonely moments. And um, that is very gratifying for for a composer because you, you can use different parts of your brain throughout the project, so to speak. The Resistance story has always been a dark story, but there was certainly an urgency to this particular story that seemed absent in the first two. How did your vision for the music for the third game change compared to the second? Probably the biggest difference is, in in, in my eyes, the the main character, Joe Capelli, Mm -hmm. is not part of a military organization anymore. Resistance 2, the main character was part of an organization that had outposts throughout the country and that still had a network in place and they had planes and truck convoys and all this kind of stuff. In this case, you are not a soldier anymore because there's basically no organization left anymore. And um, he basically is a, is, a, is a family man now. He's married, he has a son, and they try to survive one day after another. But then he is also aware that if he just stays with his, his family sooner or later, they're going to be erased by by the alien forces. Mm -hmm. So at some point he starts a journey with some kind of idea of how he could maybe defeat the alien forces and uh, he leaves his family behind. But it's just him 
or him and someone else. Yes. So he he's <laughs> he he's on that on that road, not as a soldier, but as as a family father who's trying to create a situation where his his family can survive in the future. And that is a huge difference. It's a lot more human, right? Um, background, much than more personal. In, in the previous game, sure, absolutely. And then the music you have a lot more intimate sounding mm-hmm. cues. He throughout the journey. Yes, he's battling all those enemies, but again and again he thinks back, of course, of of his family, wondering if they are doing fine, if they are still alive, and if he actually made the right decision to abandon them or to, to, to leave them behind, let's put it that way. This kind of ties into my next question because I'm a trumpet player, so I'm quite mm-hmm. fond of your score for Rainbow Six Vegas 2 and for Resistance <laughs> 2 yeah. uh, because you used trumpet in the in the title screen for those, but you moved away right. from that, of course, for the yes. theme for Resistance 3. And comparing Resistance 3 to those two, it's it's so much more subtle of a soundtrack and, yes. and still so effective. So were you were you instructed to tone down the colors or was that just instinctive for you given the storyline? Both. But <laughs> I was sitting down early on with the audio director at Insomniac, Paul Mudra, and uh, the creative director of the game itself, Marcus Smith. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to them quite a lot before I saw the first footage. Already we talked about what this game will be, and they knew it will not be the typical military shooter. Mm-hmm. So then once, a little later, once I started writing the first cues, I did write a few cues that had trumpet in them. Yes. Also some snare drums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and especially Marcus Smith, the creative director, had a very clear vision that we don't want that on this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually for us, it was once we saw it, we did feel that this was not the perfect music for this game. So we started leaving away all those military elements. And it just worked so much better. Because that's the thing, snare drums and trumpets, as much as we like them, but they they send a signal right away. Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. There are, actually, there is a group that you meet later on in that game. Mm-hmm. They have a trumpet theme. <laughs> but <laughs> Yes, I remember so, that. And we did have, we did have uh, trumpets in the, in the orchestra in, in London. But the main instruments, especially for uh, Joe himself, we are using horns, um, euphoniums, French horns, and strings. Mm-hmm. And, and we mainly stay away from, from trumpets. Yeah, I heard just a lot of those deep, full-sounding instruments, you know, cellos mm-hmm. and horns, like you're saying, euphoniums, things yes. like that, that are the very kind of the throaty, passionate parts of right. orchestras. And, and it was just so effective. I just, I loved it. Well, it has to be human, but with someone like Joe, if you look at that guy, he's 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 a, you know, he's not a woodwinds person because, yes, he's not a soldier, but he he's a very... Very, very strong, bear-like guy. Yes. So He did seem to be calmer than he was in the second game. In the second game, he seemed so 
uh, combative and full yep. of anger, and and he yes. really seemed to to just be more of a like here's the word we keep saying over and over again, human. Right. Yeah. He probably grew up probably having a wife and a child also changes you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did I hear Boy Soprano in there? You did. Oh, I you loved did. it. Well, he keeps thinking, you know, every once in a while on the game, he, he, he keeps thinking back about his wife, but also his boy. Mm -hmm. So he's leaving his child behind. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not using the, the soprano boy while you see the boy. That would be a little too literal. But later on in the game, when he's thousands of miles away from mm -hmm. him, I use... A boy soprano to trigger that mm -hmm. that that memory. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Did you get to try anything musically that you hadn't done before, or anything that kind of made you wonder if if it would work out? That is a good question. Well, <laughs> not not using trumpets and snare drums in a video game is already <laughs> quite an experiment, at least at least in this kind of a game. Yes, <laughs> I I did try a couple of things that I personally did not try before, but that that's becoming very technical. It has to do with with a certain kind of scales that I'm that I'm using. Oh, let's hear whenever it. Whenever we enter the alien areas, or they they're winning the the upper hand. I'm mainly using this one of those octatonic scales with the, with the whole orchestra, this half tone, whole tone sequences, mm -hmm. and pretty much all the time when they are in, in charge, or you are in an environment that used to be human and they just flipped it around and the chimera, messed it up, yeah. mm -hmm. the chimera, then very often I try to keep the whole all the music that you hear in one of those scales, whereas everything that's human is uh, utilizing really pleasant, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, pleasant uh, classical scales. Yes. to record at Abbey Road Studios. Had you ever had the opportunity to record in a place like that? Not in London. This was my first time in London and it was very amazing. What was amazing about it? Both the studio itself, not only because it's a, it's a historic place, mm -hmm. and not only it's almost a place that could almost exist in the, resist, in the first resistance game. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't pay attention. But the studio itself, it sounds amazing. Everyone who's working there is extremely professional. And then you have the players in London, which mm -hmm. are amazing. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's without words. It's just after a while, I'm just sitting there letting them play and I'm just smiling. <laughs> <because> <laughs> after a while, I don't, barely don't have to explain anything anymore. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful experience. How does it feel now that the game is out and it's done and people are playing it? How does that feel? Great. I will play it myself probably in a few weeks or months, mm-hmm. but I'm not like you. It's probably <laughs> going to take me four days to play through the first level. <laughs> I'm just not a good, <laughs> I'm just not a good player. But I'm very much looking forward to playing it at least a little bit, mm-hmm. because you know while you're working on a game, it's the same with with movies. Or so while you're working on it, nothing is finished. You're always like on a on a big one big construction side. Things are not recorded, they're not mixed yet, or the sound effects are not final. So once you then hear the final product, it's a whole different story because everything is mixed and mastered and it's just you can just enjoy it. You don't have to use your that half of the mind that mm-hmm. keeps looking for things you want to improve. Yes. Uh, because it's all just great and you can just enjoy it. And I, I like that. And I hope I will have time for that. You mentioned earlier that you worked on the music for a year or more. So how much of the story did you know when you began writing? Well, on on this one, they actually knew the outlines of the story early on and introduced me to them early on, which was really helpful. A lot of times with video games, it happened to me that I do not really get the whole picture uh, until I'm 80% through with the music. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which, <laughs> which <laughs> sometimes leads to interesting situations. But on, on, on this one, they really had the whole story mapped out and int- introduced me to it, which was a lot of help. Because for me, it's always very important that things make sense, that the whole story makes sense. That's why I ask a lot of questions. If you if you talk to <laughs> to the guys at Insomniac, I keep asking a lot of questions because I always want to know what's the full story. Where in the full story are we? Sometimes with video games, it happens that I compare it to building a house, and someone just gives sh- shows you a sink or a bathtub, but doesn't tell you which room that is for. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you have all these <laughs> yeah. items laying around. It's like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. But on, on this one, I was aware of the story from the beginning on. And uh, I think that we also, they, they stuck with it. That helps. Do you like that aspect of writing for games, that kind of puzzle piece? Yes, I like it because I like doing puzzles. <laughs> but in the end, I think if there's a possibility that the composer can, you know, understand this, the, the whole story, I think that helps a lot. switch gears for a minute and talk about Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time, because yes. that has to be one of the most amazing scores ever written for a game, <laughs> I have to say. It's yeah. so good, and it sounds like it must have been just a, a total joy to write. Yes. So tell me about that. It was a lot of fun. And you know what? I still, Since I worked on that game, on the top of my one of my monitors, there's a little sticker I put myself, and I wrote on it myself, <laughs> have some fun. 
because, <laughs> because, because before Ratchet and Clank, I was writing all this like dark and mean and aggressive music for, for games and movies. <laughs> I did have to work on myself to switch gears, actually. Yes. And once I did, I ha just had so much fun. It was very, very uh, enjoyable. It was a very positive and, and happy score. One of the interesting things about that game is that there were two pieces of music that you only hear when you're somewhere in space flying around with a spaceship, I believe. And you have a radio station and you can choose to, to listen to certain music streams, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, for, for that situation, I wrote two five-minute-long orchestral pieces. Oh, wow. And that was a lot of fun because <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. there was no picture to it. It was just like, hey, you're flying in space. <laughs> And sure. we need two pieces, five minutes long, wow. <laughs> and create peaks and valleys as you wish. Come on, that was nice. That's a long section of music for, you know. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. And we, we got to record those in, in, in Prague later on, and th that was a lot of fun. I don't know how many people actually heard it in the game because I don't. Probably you have to stick around in that spaceship a little bit but, <laughs> for at least five minutes. <laughs> I can at least I can. All I can do is encourage people to do it. <laughs> yes. some unusual instruments in that game. You used a theremin? Yes. Had you worked with theremin before? No, never. <laughs> what never. was that like? But that's that one character in that in that game. Um, I think he was around in previous games and I think, if I'm not mistaken now, he, he always had a theremin sound attached to himself. Oh, there you go. For me, that was a fun thing to do. But it was actually also interesting to find the right theremin sound. So I tried a real theremin. I tried... I don't know, 10 synthesizer theremins. Wow. And you know what I used what? half of the time was a was an iPhone application. Seriously? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Moxus uh, theremin. Oh, I'm going to have to get that. <laughs> yes. That's so cool. <laughs> whatever it takes. <laughs> yep, whatever it takes to get it right. I was going to say, I thought all theremins kind of sounded the same, but I guess maybe they don't. The original... Old school theremins, they, they do sound very similar. Mm -hmm. They are just hard to control. Oh, and I have to yeah. admit, at times, um, the iPhone is also not super easy to control. But then, you know, there, there are scenes where 
you can just go crazy with it. And there are scenes where you, you need to be a little accurate and actually play along some harmonies or so. And then, then you cannot use the original one because it would probably take you a month <laughs> to, record <laughs> one, to record one good take. How did you get into writing game music? Your background was uh, before that in film and commercials, right? Film commercials. Back in Germany for six years, I wrote music for a TV series. Mm. Over there, they did a video game out of one of the TV series I, I did. And then here, it was multiple paths, but probably the most important is that the, the audio director at Insomniac, Paul Mudra, Mudra at uh, one point he was given a CD with my music. Mm. And that was apparently while they were working on Resistance 2 or already looking mm -hmm. for composers. And he just actually liked the music on that CD and thought it could be a great fit. Wow. And I did receive a, not an email, not a phone call, an actual letter. And they, at that point, they just considered me as a composer. And then um, it was still quite some time until we actually started working on that. Mm -hmm. But Resistance 2 was my first major mm -hmm. official uh, video game here in the U.S. The thing about just speaking about the Resistance uh, trilogy for a moment, it, each game is quite different from from each other. That's one of the things I think that I've gotten so much pleasure out of the series for. Um, yep. One of the things I loved between the first two games was just how different they were. And mm -hmm. then the third just managed to up those somehow. You know, it was really, really a great experience. Yeah. I agree. It's probably true for, for the players as it is true for the team at Insomniac or for the composer as well. Mm -hmm. If you just have to repeat something you already did, it's, it's, it's great, but it's far more gratifying if uh, someone has the guts, actually, to change things. talk a little bit about your background in music in general. Uh, what's your instrument and when did you start writing? My first instrument was piano, which I started early on mm -hmm. and studied extensively for, I think, more than 10 years. From that, I deviated in my teenager years. <laughs> I entered a whole different world, leaving the classical world behind. I also have to say I grew up listening to classical music. That was just what was playing at home at all times. We would listen to Russian operas and mm. on my birthday and Christmas. Ah. <laughs> I'm still not sure if I, I'm actually called Boris because my father was even singing in the opera at, at the time and, and singing Boris Godunov. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure I will have to ask him one more time. Yes, you will <laughs> have to ask him. <laughs> right. not, that's, well, although he wasn't the best character, it's a great opera. Right, right, right. Still right. great music. <laughs> So that is that is true. 
Then later in my in my teenager years, I I briefly started um, studying the, the classical guitar. But honestly, after just a few years, or it was probably just months, I changed it and and, and grabbed the electrical guitar. <laughs> and from then on, I um, entered a whole different realm, which was basically rock music, hardcore, mm. rock, punk. Then I started combining that after a while with synthesized but classical or orchestral elements. Mm-hmm. Kind of came back to to what I grew up with. And then it was a long journey of, of different projects, mainly rock projects, then a, sub, a couple of electronic projects. And then I entered a third stage, as I call it, <laughs> in my life, where I was just excited about all this music that at that time was coming out of England, mainly electronic music, FX Twin and, and Square Pusher and all these kind of very weird <laughs> sounding <laughs> British guys. And then I did I did a couple of projects in that vein. But still at that point, I never had the idea I would actually make a living out of writing music. Mm-hmm. It was not really part of my thinking. Mm-hmm. But I, I did something else in my life. I founded a company doing doing other things. But I also started on one, it was a Wednesday, I don't know which year what it was, or month, it was a Wednesday, <laughs> where it was sending out a CD because friends kept telling me, man, the music you're writing sounds very film music-like. Mm. You should do something with it. And on this particular Wednesday, I sent out two CDs to companies in, in Germany that write music for TV and movies. And one of them came back to me and I started a relationship with them. And from then on, I started writing music for TV series and TV ads mainly for a while. And that just went well and better and better and better. And at some point, I uh, moved to the US and now I only have one job. I'm just a composer. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> and I'm, I'm combining. I see that every time I work and it almost doesn't matter what project I'm working on. But that I have these three different columns, so to speak. My, my classical upbringing, then the whole rock January and this experimental electronic column to it. Those three different parts, I usually use at least two of them, if not all three of them, on, on especially on video games. A combination of, of those three. E- even if I have a project that is very orchestral, or let's say even 100% orchestral, the stylistic ideas that you have in other kinds of music, how you deal with sounds in electronic music for example i can apply that to an orchestra and make it sound a little different you know in the way i write the orchestra not altering it afterwards to me it's a a really nice cross-pollination so to speak about your influences in the classical music world? In the classical music, I like Russians, funny enough. <laughs> I have no Russian background myself. People keep thinking I might have because of my first name, mm-hmm. but I don't have a Russian background. But I, I like Prokofiev, for example. 
for Resistance 3, a lot of uh, Stravinsky-ish uh, influences made it into the game. As I said, I grew up with pictures of an exhibition <laughs> and music like that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, I, I just... they're all Russians. They are all Russians. I think I like the heaviness. I could totally hear it in Resistance 3. I, it right. sounded Russian, and I, I, I love all of that that style and that time period as well. I'm a huge fan of all of those guys and it just oh it just spoke right. Russian you know it was just fantastic but resistance to me is a combination of I, I have some uh, Stravinsky-ish elements in it funny enough I also had in mind like a movie soundtrack not a lot of people are talking about a lot but the War of the World soundtrack from John Williams it had a lot of elements in there that were interesting not the perfect match but I could see what I should do with it so it makes sense with uh, resistance it's also a world being invaded by, by aliens. And while watching the movie, I realized that there's a few parts in that, in that music that, that were a great fit for the game. You did mention earlier that you like to go through the games. So do you consider yourself a gamer? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't play well. And also when I'm working on, on games... The best way for, for me to, to get in the right creative mode is to have someone play the game for me. The good thing for, uh, for me to work with Insomniac is that they are, uh, we are in the same town. So I can okay. actually go there a couple of times throughout the project. Mm -hmm. And they walk me through levels, usually. And uh, then we sit in a room and one of them is playing through the level, so I don't have to do that myself. And uh, we do the spotting right there. And when I later receive material from them, I, what I am asking for is, is a video capture of someone playing through the game. And I let that run on, on my big monitor. And I actually basically treat it like a movie. Mm -hmm. Because I find when I'm playing myself, my mind is usually more busy with, with a very monster or alien right in front of me. Yes. But when I'm watching someone else play... I can concentrate on the environment, the general environment, where are we in the story, what's the emotional background. And I think music in, in, in games should try to emphasize that. Otherwise, you really will have music that just says there's a monster attacking you throughout the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? yes. Which it probably also works and makes it more adrenaline-driven to, to play that game. But I, I prefer highlighting the, the emotional aspect of the main character, which happens to be you, the player. When I'm playing, the times that I'm least engaged with the music, I would say, would be in combat because I'm so focused right. on fighting or doing whatever exactly. the, the mission is at that moment. But, you know, those moments when you're creeping through tunnels or uh, even just watching a cinematic, that's that's where right. I really feel engaged with the music personally exactly. as a player. Yeah. Because in a, in a battle, you're completely busy 
yeah. battling mm -hmm. the enemies. Also, battle situations are very loud, especially with insomnia games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the resistance, resistance spread. They are very loud. There's, yes. I don't know how many guns blazing at the same moment. Also in resistance, those aliens have all this machinery um, that, that f is flying around you at all times. So you not only have, have guns blazing, you have jet engines and everything happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's also harder to fit some music in there. Yes. But in the quiet and in the eerie moments, that's where you can really add an emotional layer to it, which I think is what music should do. my heart pumping in particular in one one scene and I won't say anything more mm -hmm. other than I knew something was coming because of you <laughs> and I Good. looked over at my friend my friend Josiah was sitting with me and I looked at him and I said what is about to happen I don't, I don't want to open that door There was a time when people asked me why I do music and this, my answer was because every once in a while people come to me and they say they cried when they listen to my music. Now I, that I write that much music for games, it's more like that I'm scaring people. Yes. <laughs> that, that changed. <laughs> Main thing, it's yes. effective. <laughs> yes, although I, I will say again that the very first sounds you hear when you're um, on the menu screen yeah. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful music. So haunting Thank and you. oh, I just I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it, Boris. That so. is beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much. By the way, I did listen to I did listen to a bunch of interviews you did. Yeah. Because I was not aware of them before. Oh. And they are great. Oh, well, thank you. Also, Minnesota Public Radio is now in my favorites. Oh. My whatever, like, <laughs> cool. player. So, I'm so glad. Thank you. So I'm a big public radio listener, but um, I didn't listen to this show yet. So it's, gr it's great what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. It's really a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me, Emily. You've been listening to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese, and our technical director is Sam Keenan. Our next episode features Tom Salta, who's just finished writing music for From Dust and also wrote music for Tom Clancy's Hawks and Hawks 2, Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands, and many others. Send us your comments and questions at classicalmpr.org slash topscore, and follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at Topscore Podcast. And if you dig the Russians like Boris does, check out Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet, Mazorksky's Pictures at an Exhibition, and Stravinsky's Apollo Suite. Get some lunch, please. Yes, I will. <laughs> I did hear my stomach growl at one point. I was like, oh, I hope you didn't hear that. <laughs> I did hear it, but I didn't mention it. Seriously? You heard it? <laughs> I heard it. <laughs>
come on, I spend a lot of time in studios. I, I know, right? Yeah. I know when to keep my mouth shut. <laughs>